Hi everyone, so welcome to the second official story time with M. Basically, I'm recording this because we will not be able to get out our normal episode for this month because of life circumstances, and also I'm getting surgery at the end of the month, so there's a lot to prepare for. But we will be moving the next episode to next month, and it will be on trauma-informed polyamory. So instead of recording that episode, you know, for this month, I decided that I wanted to do another little fanfic reading for you. And this fanfic is an Ace Attorney fanfiction. It is called Recompense, and it is by Sabine Legrand on Archive of Our Own. I'll post the link to the fanfiction so you can read it if you'd like, and that'll be in the show notes. Just to give some of the tags that are given for this fanfiction, it does include some dom sub-themes, sadism. In this particular fanfiction, Miles Edgeworth is the dominant, Simon Blackwell is the submissive, Athena Sykes also makes an appearance as a dominant, and what I really love about this particular fanfiction is that Miles Edgeworth is demisexual, and it's just really amazing to get some asexual, kinky representation. So I hope you enjoy this recording of Recompense. Edgeworth stands in his study and stubbornly resists the urge to stare at the clock. What's about to happen is not the kind of thing to be held to the strictures of a timepiece. He's still a little surprised that it's happening at all. It most definitely wouldn't be happening without the persuasive powers of one Athena Sykes. But she has the kind of bubbly personality and self-assurance that allows one to decide a thing is a done deal and then make it so. Certainly, she had already made up her mind when she approached Edgeworth. It's just that he thinks he owes you for saving his life, she told him. He can think that if he likes, but it's clear to everyone else that it was a team effort, he said. Why me and why not right? Or yourself? Well, right beat him in court. So he thinks they're square, she said. And I get what I want out of him all the time. And this is to be my turn, he said, crossing his arms. Everybody gets a ride, she said with a grin, and he scoffed, but he didn't say no. And then Athena didn't say no when he told her what he really wanted. And here they are. Or rather, here Edgeworth is, with a clock that refuses to move any faster. Knock, knock, a voice says, and Edgeworth turns to see the door half open, with Athena's head poking through the opening. Are you ready? I merely await your word, he says, and she disappears from view again, though she doesn't shut the door. He hears a few hurried whispers, but they're too soft to make out any words. A few seconds later, she leads Blackwell in. He's wearing a collar and a pair of black trousers, nothing else. His eyes appear to be downcast, but with his bangs, it's impossible to really tell. Attached to the collar is a leash, which extends down to Athena's fist. There's slack in it, like he's been guided, but not coming unwillingly. Edgeworth is reminded of an illustration he saw once, a girl and her pet monster. Dangerous, yet tamed, but only for her. She brings Blackwell into the center of the room and puts a hand on his shoulder, pulling down. Blackwell lets her force him to his knees but he's still on the balls of his feet in a pose that Edgeworth feels like he recognizes from what little he knows about martial arts. Caesar, Athena says. Blackwell looks discomfited, but 
but then he settles fully. She bends down, speaking into his ear. Edgeworth can't hear what she's saying, but Blackwell seems to relax just the slightest bit. She runs a hand over his hair, looking for all the world like she's gentling a horse. But finally, she straightens. Are you ready? Edgeworth asks. Athena unclips the leash, winding it around her hand. He's all yours, she says. You'll be giving him back in one piece. She doesn't mean just physically, but her posture says that her response will be physical if he dares to damage her property. I won't cause any harm, Edgeworth says. Of that you can be sure. Marabioso, Athena says with a bright smile. She runs her hand over Blackwell's hair one more time, then she takes her leave, her hips swaying as she walks away. Blackwell is watching her go, and Edgeworth sees him take a breath, centering himself before he turns back to Edgeworth. What would you have of me? He asks. Give me a moment to deliberate, Edgeworth says. Blackwell clearly doesn't like that answer, but he doesn't respond. Instead, he clutches the fabric of his pants, clenching his hand into a fist, like he's using it to focus his rage. She does have you trained, doesn't she? I do as my mistress commands, he says, and it sounds rote, an article of faith repeated so many times that it's been worn slick. Does your mistress command you to come to me? Edgeworth asks. Blackwell hesitates, and he seizes upon it. Or did you beg your mistress to let you come? You'll find that I don't beg, Blackwell says snidely. I really don't believe that, Edgeworth says. I'm merely trying to engage your willingness to be here. Blackwell's head snaps up. She would never force me to do something like this against my will. Then I have my answer, Edgeworth says. Blackwell frowns, seemingly realizing he's been outfoxed. But if Edgeworth can't outfox his subordinates, he doesn't deserve his position. Do you have some idea that I'll turn you away or leave you unfulfilled just because you wanted to come? I'm just attempting to get the lay of the land. I'm here to pay a debt, Blackwell says. Now we're getting somewhere, Edgeworth says. He walks around Blackwell, letting his finger trail across his broad shoulders. And no amount of me telling you that you owe me nothing will have any effect at all. I do owe you, Blackwell says. Then let's take that as read, shall we? Edgeworth says. The question is, if you're here to offer me recompense, what are you willing to do to pay down your debt? Everything you want, Blackwell says with unshakable certainty. That's a dangerous thing to be offering, Edgeworth says. Blackwell looks up at him. Edgeworth can just see his eyes beneath his bangs, and there is a look of fire in them that almost takes him aback. Blackwell is an interesting one, to be sure, but he seems completely serious about his commitment in this. And I'm offering it, Blackwell says. I want it stated now, for the record, that you are offering me this of your free volition, Edgeworth says. I did not coerce you or drive you to do this, even if you have some idea that you have an obligation. I'm offering myself freely, Blackwell says, his fist clenching again. Then I find myself wanting to accept, Edgeworth says, and he sees Blackwell relax just the smallest fraction. 
He walks around Blackwell again, taking him in from all angles. He's lean and well-muscled, but he looks so much smaller without his courtroom attire, his armor. I've had a talk with your mistress. Blackwell doesn't respond, except to tense again. She was very particular about her demands concerning your well-being. Blackwell huffs. She's overly concerned. You'd be surprised at what she'll let me do to you, Blackwell says. Blackwell's hair, as requested, is in a bun, and Edgeworth grabs it and pulls fast enough that it clearly surprises him. It leaves Blackwell looking up at him. I won't let you come to harm, that I swore. He pulls harder, making Blackwell's back bend uncomfortably. I can do many things to you that will hurt or scare you without ever causing any real damage. I'm ready, Blackwell says. You're not, Edgeworth says, but I regret to inform you that it's not going to stop me. Blackwell is breathing heavily now, and Edgeworth studies him. He knows Blackwell came here expecting all of this to be sexual. Athena said as much, but she only grinned when Edgeworth was forthright about what he really wanted. Do you know why I accepted this arrangement? Edgeworth asks, releasing Blackwell's hair. I was intrigued by the offer of whatever I wanted, and I sensed a perfect opportunity. My tastes, you see, are... <laughs> uncommon? Or perhaps more common than anyone wants to admit, but decidedly taboo. Blackwell is about to say something, but Edgeworth puts a hand on his shoulder, pressing down in warning. It's been years since I was able to find a convenient recipient. Edgeworth walks around in front of him. He puts his fingers under Blackwell's chin, tipping it up. So I will only allow you to discharge whatever debt you believe you have to me by taking what I give you until I am satisfied, he says. I'm not doing this for your benefit. This is purely selfish desire to exploit an advantageous situation I have found myself in. Blackwell seems to relax at that, which Edgeworth can't quite parse. I will do whatever you ask, he says. Let's test that, shall we? Edgeworth says, get up. Blackwell rises to his feet immediately. Edgeworth is not short, but Blackwell outstrips him by several inches, a thing that's obvious now that they're face to face. Blackwell stands proudly, almost like he's challenging Edgeworth, daring him to find fault. Against the wall, Edgeworth says, pointing to the empty space on one side of the room. Brace yourself on your hands, feet shoulder-width apart. If Blackwell finds this odd, he doesn't say anything, assuming the position instead. You are, of course, familiar with red, yellow, and green? Of course, Blackwell says, and Edgeworth can hear how much he wants to roll his eyes. Just a precaution, Edgeworth says. He runs his hands up Blackwell's naked back, getting a feel for him. Miss Sykes and I have already negotiated, and she was quite comprehensive. I abide by what she says, Blackwell says, with a certainty clearly born from a mix of hubris and trust. Your mistress doesn't like pain, I am informed, Edgeworth says conversationally. Ha <laughs> ha, Blackwell laughs. If you're asking whether she puts me through my paces. Oh, I have no doubt that she does, Edgeworth says. The comment was not meant as inflammatory, merely an observation. 
She chooses to avail herself of me in other ways, Blackwell says. And he almost sounds like he's bragging. I suspect she and I will overlap in places, but not often, Edgeworth says. Blackwell jumps when Edgeworth smacks him. He's expecting either the blow nor the fact that it comes to his upper back, which is interesting. I am certain she makes judicious use of psychology in your interactions, whereas my interests are a bit more physical. If you just hurry up and get to them, Blackwell says, as he's jerked backwards when Edgeworth grabs his hair again, tugging sharply. You'll find that I don't take too kindly to being rushed, Edgeworth says. Perhaps the only sort of psychology I find particularly useful in this sort of situation is delay tactics. What's the point if I can't make you dangle a bit? Blackwell doesn't respond to that, which is probably smart of him. Edgeworth lays his forearm along Blackwell's spine, reacquainting himself with the zones he'll need to hit and avoid. It's coming back to him easily, and he wonders if this will continue, if this will be a thing he can slip on comfortably again. Blackwell doesn't seem to follow what he's doing, but that's fine. Let him stay confused. Edgeworth steps back, walking to his bag and unzipping it. His floggers, a lovingly curated selection that he has had at least one awkward conversation with the airport security about, are waiting for him. He considers his options, then carefully selects a few, laying them out in the correct order for what he wants. I'm going to gauge your reactions first, Edgeworth says. He makes a figure eight motion with the first flogger, admiring how easily it moves, the balance of it perfect. This is my way of calibration, so I suggest that you not take this as some sort of indication of what you're in for. I just want to see what you do before I jump straight to ripping you to shreds. Blackwell takes a breath, and Edgeworth watches as he steals himself. I'm ready. Edgeworth moves into position. He prefers a mid-length flogger, good for control and distance, and he sets himself where he'll need to be. Blackwell is taller than him, but it shouldn't be hard to compensate for. That makes him a bigger target, after all. Blackwell jumps when the falls hit his back, but more from surprise than anything else. Edgeworth is deliberately holding back, starting with a flogger made of soft, thin hide. He suspects that Blackwell will hate it, though it is a very nice toy. It's the sort of thing for a sensual player, someone who likes a slow warm-up, and nothing about Blackwell's personality suggests that he would enjoy that. Blackwell doesn't need to know that Edgeworth started with it just so he can get his own bearings. It would be hard to injure him with this one, so it's perfect to dial in with, make sure his aim is true enough for the heavier fare. Blackwell is stoic for a moment, receiving the blows without comment, and Edgeworth wonders what he must be thinking. He doesn't know how much of the game Athena gave away, whether Blackwell walked into this completely unprepared, but surprising him with it seems like a thing she'd find delightful. Edgeworth has barely gotten warmed up when Blackwell starts to squirm. Quite quickly, he grows visibly impatient, and his breathing reminds Edgeworth of the huffing of a bull. Your concerns are noted, he says wryly. But he does put down his flogger, reaching for his next selection. This one is a standard cowhide, which is a standard for a reason, even beyond being cheap. He can get considerably rougher with this one, 
which also means he needs to watch his swings more carefully. Blackwell is not paying enough attention, possibly still annoyed at him, and he lets out a gasp at the feel of the second flogger slapping against his skin. Edgeworth hits him again and again, and Blackwell groans. His head bows, and for a moment, Edgeworth is concerned that he might have hit him in the ear. Blackwell rounds his shoulders, presenting for more, and Edgeworth knows it's so much better, the beginnings of surrender. Blackwell is not as silent as Edgeworth thought he might be. He doesn't speak, but he's not taking it stoically anymore. He groans when Edgeworth lands a particularly heavy blow. So Edgeworth does it again. This is what he's been missing, the back and forth, the pleasure of getting under someone's skin. It satisfies something deep and dark within him when Blackwell cries out. The rush of it is electric with a fundamental rightness to it. He deserves to be doing this. It's not so much that he has earned it, rather that it is by his fiat, belonging to him simply through the force of his will. Blackwell is panting now, and Edgeworth thinks it's time to up the ante. He stops, walking forward. Blackwell hisses when Edgeworth claps him on the back, a thing he did on purpose. Color, green, Blackwell says without hesitation. Then let's proceed, Edgeworth says. He moves quickly, wanting Blackwell to have a brief respite, but not enough time to regain his proverbial footing. What Edgeworth has for him next is the sort of thing to sort the wheat from the chaff, but he suspects Blackwell can handle it. This may be new for him, but he's taking it beautifully, especially when he probably thought he came here to be used in a completely different way. Edgeworth picks up the third flogger. It's considerably heavier than the other two made of thick moose leather. Based on the way things are going, he thinks it's fine to swing it, but he practices momentarily getting a feel for the weight of it. He has to put more of his muscle behind it, unable to make it swish through the air with just the strength of his forearm, but it still moves beautifully. He considers warning Blackwell because that would be the polite thing to do. He is, however, a sadist, and in the pursuit of that, he often abandons his usual politesse. Blackwell jerks when the flogger comes down on his back, obviously not expecting it, and he makes the most delicious sound, like he's startled and likes it. Or maybe he's startled that he likes it. Hold still or I won't beat you anymore, Edgeworth says. Yes, sir, Blackwell gasps, setting his stance again and waiting for more. Edgeworth chooses to reward that, bringing the heavy flogger down on the other side. Blackwell takes it a little better this time, so Edgeworth doesn't stop getting back into a rhythm. Blackwell is a wonderful canvas, and Edgeworth can already tell that he's going to be doing great works upon him. It's hard to miss the way Blackwell's hips are working, and Edgeworth interrupts his rhythm long enough for a glance, confirming that Blackwell is visibly hard, his erection straining against the front of the pants that he's still wearing. Edgeworth hits him again while he considers what to do about it. He has no sexual interest in Blackwell, but this presents such an opportunity to crack him open, see what's inside. Edgeworth grabs him by the hair, pulling him down to speak into his ear. Rutting against nothing like a dog, Edgeworth says. Is that all you are, Simon? Nothing but a prized hound? Yes, Blackwell gasps. He intended the comment as a barb, but he's hit something altogether more interesting. I see, Edgeworth says. You do look good at the end of a leash. Perhaps that's where you belong, right where your mistress can show you off. 
right where your mistress can show off what a loyal pet you are. Blackwell is panting heavily, and Edgeworth thinks he's just millimeters from rubbing himself off against the wall, even as uncomfortable and fruitless as that would be. He's found such an interesting button to press, and he's going to see where it takes him. Unfasten your trousers and push them down, Edgeworth says. If Blackwell is thrown, he doesn't show it. He complies quickly, letting his pants drop to the floor and kicking them away. He's not wearing anything underneath them, so he stands naked in front of Edgeworth with nothing but his collar, Athena's mark on him. Edgeworth feels no jealousy, especially when Blackwell is wearing his marks too. In the swaths of reddened skin the flogger leaves behind, Edgeworth changes his grip, slapping the flogger hard across Blackwell's ass, and he revels in the moan that Blackwell lets out. He knows it's different from a strike to the back. The thud of the flogger landing near very interesting areas provides its own kind of stimulation. He doesn't know if he can make Blackwell come this way, and he doesn't intend to solve that mystery tonight. He just wants to see what Blackwell will do if he's pushed. His ass marks up beautifully, lines of red across his pale skin, and he's moaning unreservedly now. It's fascinating watching something like that take him apart so easily. Put your hand on your cock. Edgeworth says, and Blackwell quickly complies. If you can come while I beat you, then I'll graciously allow you to. Thank you, sir, Blackwell says. He braces himself with his other arm, waiting for the next strike. Edgeworth doesn't leave him hanging for long, landing another blow across his ass, as hard as he feels comfortable doing it. He stops leaving space between the strikes, landing slap after slap across Blackwell's ass with heavy, rhythmic thuds. He watches as the muscles in Blackwell's shoulder work, all he can see of how frantically Blackwell is working his cock. He's bracing himself on his forearm now, his forehead pressed against his hand, and Edgeworth knows it's mere seconds before he loses himself. Tell your mistress you came just like this, Edgeworth says. Tell her you were an obedient little pet. Blackwell gasps, and Edgeworth grins. Won't she be ever so proud? Blackwell groans loudly as he comes, making a mess of the wall in himself. It's deeply satisfying on Edgeworth's end, the head rush of knowing he did that, the power he has to make someone this strong fall to pieces. He savors it, even as he stops striking with the flogger, swinging it through the air a few more times before he puts it aside. He puts both hands on Blackwell's back, grounding him, gentling him. Can you walk? Edgeworth asks, after giving him a bit of time. Yes, sir, Blackwell says, sounding fuzzy. With me, Edgeworth says, and he moves Blackwell towards the chair in the corner. He's already placed a pillow there, and he guides Blackwell to his knees. He sits down in the chair, and Blackwell rests his head against his knee without prompting. You did take that beautifully, Edgeworth tells him, stroking his hair. Color me impressed. Thank you, sir, Blackwell says. He sounds a little bit like he might fall asleep, but he seems to catch himself. Do you want me to... He starts, turning to look at Edgeworth fully, but he stops. You're not hard. I'm not, Edgeworth confirms. Blackwell looks deeply confused. I'm lost, he says finally. Edgeworth has been dreading this conversation, even though he already had it with Athena. The proper term is demisexual. I can enjoy sex, but only under certain conditions. Play isn't one of them. The rush I get from playing with a willing bottom doesn't sexually arouse me. 
Then why did you let me come? Blackwell says, looking puzzled. The corner of Edgeworth's mouth goes up. Because it did sexually arouse you, and I find it deeply satisfying to push people to their extremes. You really are a sadist, Blackwell says, and he sounds impressed. Oh, I make no protestations to the contrary, Edgeworth says. I wouldn't complain just yet, were I you. If you want to see sadism, wait until I don't let you come. So this isn't to be the last time? Blackwell asks. No, Edgeworth says. You're working off a debt. I've been exceedingly kind so far, but now you must make an actual effort. Your mistress agrees. I won't fail, Blackwell says with a note of steely resolve. I don't think you will, Edgeworth says. He puts his hand back on Blackwell's head, gently guiding him to rest it against Edgeworth's thigh again. But for now, you should be resting. Yes, sir, Blackwell says, shutting his eyes. Edgeworth has hidden his silent cell phone in arm's reach, and he holds it so Blackwell won't see, quickly typing a message. Still here? Yep, Athena says, patrolling your kitchen. Is this okay? He'll do just fine, Edgeworth says. Let me know when I can come and get all the details, she says. In a moment, he says, putting the phone down. He rests his hand on Blackwell's head, enjoying the peaceful stillness. In a few minutes, he'll return what he's borrowed, but it's nice to savor it for now. Let this wind down gently, the moment coming softly to an end. There will be more of them to come, but they've made quite a good start.